0: Our
1: time. Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week, I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then, I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music darling. Uncaged mm What's up everyone, I am Steve Topple, it is Sunday the 21st of July, and that can only mean one thing, it's this week's edition of Topple Uncaged. Little white flower. We'll never the... Yes, the theme music to this week's show was picked by me, actually, because it is the 60th anniversary of the death of one of music's finest icons, the legendary Billie Holiday. My late father, a semi-professional jazz musician, hailed Billie Holiday as his idol, and I grew up listening to her and other musical giants like Satchmo and Ella Fitzgerald throughout my youth. And so, being 60 years since her untimely passing, it sort of got me to thinking, what would Billie Holiday make of the news this week? I think the lady who bought us Strange Fruit, a song about black lynchings in Southern America, would be absolutely shocked, probably by Donald Trump's comments to four democratic female senators that they should go back to the countries where they came from. This response obviously sparks people chanting this at rallies up and down the country, but in all honesty, shock, horror, Donald Trump's a racist bigot! There's not really any surprise there, is there? However, it once again sets a worrying tone for where America is going, and I'm sure Billy, in the country she was born and grew up in, would be absolutely mortified. Let them not weep. Let them know that I'm gl- She would probably be also saddened by the news that Scotland now has the highest number of drug deaths in Europe per head of the population. Most people will know that Billie holiday was addicted to heroin. She had a major problem with that throughout her life. And it's a damning testament to politicians of all colours that we haven't seemed to have moved on at all. Blue. You would think by now they'd realise there's a much more deep-rooted problem here than just people abusing drugs. It is a damning indictment of the capitalist system we live under that people feel the need to block out reality by turning to substances of all shapes and forms. But no, we still get a criminal justice approach. Nothing has changed since Billy Holiday's heyday. But, however, on this gloomy Sunday, we have to remember that all is not lost. So, I thought I'd take you back to the 1980s and play you a bit of New Jack Swing inspired hip hop. Yes, this is, of course, Public Enemy with Fight the Power. Many of you may have seen on my timeline me wearing a t shirt with this exact same logo on it. and we do however relentless the attacks on us may seem we have to continue to fight the power
2: fight the power fight the
0: power
1: While Public Enemy's track was more about the black civil rights movement, I think in 2019, it can be applied to a lot of minorities today. Whether that be ethnic minorities, sexuality, disability, and, back down to the root of all our problems, your class, that is classism. Fight the Power Still has resonance to this day. Whether that be fighting against the Labour Lords who took out that bloody advert this week condemning Jeremy Corbyn. Fighting the power of Jeffrey Epstein, more on that in another show. No,
0: not the same, we don't
1: know the game. Or fighting the power of the DWP, which was once again being dragged through the courts this week over its PIP regulations. And of course me and my partner Nicola Jeffrey having some personal experience of that this week as well. But whatever happens, we have to do what Public Enemy says and fight the power.
0: Fight the power,
1: And this week's show has got lots of themes surrounding that. I've got a brilliant campaign group who I've supported for years coming on to talk about their latest action. We've, of course, got your news views in Twitter Chirps Back. And I've also got a fantastic singer-songwriter who is also fighting the power. So, lock and load, people. Let's get on with today's episode. Soaring above this week's top stories I'm free flying with... It is always a pleasure to welcome old friends onto this podcast. However, the guest who's coming on to represent this environmental direct action group is a new friend. But the group itself I've been involved with for several years. They are excellent. They've done some fantastic, fantastic campaigning and direct action over the years. And they're here to talk about their latest idea and their latest encroachment on the fossil fuel industry in this country, which is of paramount importance, but also they're intersecting it with another issue which I think is really, really, really exciting. I'm very pleased to um, have this guest on. It's a pleasure to welcome Cameron from the fantastic Reclaim the Power. Cameron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's a real real pleasure to be able to speak to you about Reclaim the Power because, like I say, I've been involved with them for years, and they're great. That's all
2: right. It's a pleasure to speak to you guys as well
1: thank you let's get straight into it so previously i mean reclaim the power have done lots and lots of stuff um, one of the highlights for me was the rolling resistance um, camp that set up in 2017 around quadrilla's infamous preston new road fracking site but this year you've got another camp which is happening and it's happening this coming weekend and it's called power beyond borders so cameron what is it all about so uh,
2: this year's action camp is being organized uh around two different issues. So, number one, the camp is being organized to call out Corporation Drax. And Corporation Drax is building what will be the UK's largest gas power plant. Um, it's trying to market this as a kind of bridge between uh, coal and renewables, but the UK government's own reports say that this isn't actually necessary. We can just move straight to renewables. Um, if Drax builds uh, the power plant that it really wants to build, um, this will lock us into fossil fuels for decades and decades to come, totally unnecessarily. And uh, it will take up about 75% of the emissions budget for the energy sector alone, uh, which is extraordinary. And it's, we think it's absolutely extraordinary that they're doing this um, or you know, trying to do this in the midst of what we can all agree is a complete climate crisis. We're looking at hundreds of millions of people who are going to lose their homes and have to flee through international borders because of the climate crisis. We're looking at hundreds of millions of people who are going to fall back into poverty worldwide because of the climate crisis. And thousands and tens of thousands of people here in the UK whose homes are at risk from flooding and sea level rise and extreme weather and all sorts of effects that we're going to experience right here because of the climate crisis. Um, The second thing that the camp is being organised around is what's called the hostile environment this is a cluster of policies uh, that was actually put together by Theresa May when she was home secretary uh, the aim of the policies is to make the uk uh, as as horrible a place and to make the uk as to make uh, life for for migrants uh, who have not managed to fulfill the quite bureaucratic and fickle uh, requirements of the UK migration system. For people who have not managed to fulfil them, the hostile environment is intended to make the UK the most uh, horrible place and make their lives so unlivable that they, that they voluntarily leave the UK. In practice, this is, uh, I mean, as you could probably tell, a brutal and racist policy. Uh, it's led to tens of thousands of people every year being detained indefinitely um, and thousands of people being deported Uh, without due process, uh, without legal aid, without being able to challenge decisions properly. And this tears apart, you know, taking people uh, from the UK and deporting them uh, willy-nilly just tears apart communities. Uh, And this is awful. And so the camp has come together to to, uh, organise on both of these issues. We're calling for... Uh, the broken energy system to be fixed and made into an energy system which which is uh, which does things in the public interest, not for private profit, and we're calling for the hostile environment to be completely abolished. Why
1: are you merging together the issue of um, climate change and fossil fuels and migration? What's what's the thinking behind joining these two issues together?
2: Well, uh, simply put, both issues are linked in reality, but also. They're both examples of extreme exploitation. Um, so, in, in we can see how climate change, in climate change, is brought about uh, through the essentially the actions of uh, relatively few wealthy people in the world. Um, the top ten percent, uh, the richest ten percent of people in the world, are responsible for half of the emissions that are driving climate change. And yet, the poorest half of the world are only responsible for ten percent of the emissions. So um, the climate crisis is, you could even call it, the largest attack uh, by the wealthy of the, onto the poor uh, in human history. Um, and at the same time, uh, migration is a similar issue in that the only reason why uh, countries such as the United Kingdom are taking such a strong and inhumane and brutal stance against people wanting to come to the country, often from former um, former. Uh, colonial or uh, former colonies is because it's a form, it's a way of trying to uh, stop the redistribution of wealth that's been hoarded in these countries uh, for for centuries. It's it's thought that during the uh, colonial occupation of India, Britain extracted over four trillion pounds in wealth over that period of time. We built ourselves and developed ourselves at the expense of most of the world. Um, and yet we treat people who uh, wish to come here to share in the wealth that their ancestors helped build. We treat them with utter disdain and brutal inhumanity under the hostile environment policy. Um, so as we can see, they're both examples of a kind of capitalist exploitation. And at the same time, both issues, climate change and migration, are both examples of systemic racism. And. Um, the climate crisis is the greatest act of systemic racism in human history. We're seeing um, a mostly white global north benefit from uh, the activities that are driving climate change, while a a mostly uh, black and brown global south are going to pay most of the costs. I mean, huge swathes of of India, the Middle East uh, and North Africa are going to become uninhabitable, literally uninhabitable in the next few decades because the climate crisis is going to make... Uh, those regions become just too hot for people to, to live in. Um, so I think we're, we're targeting both because uh, reclaim the power. We're a group that don't. We're, we're a group that uh, that is not just environmental and focused, but social and economic. And we believe in fighting for a fairer system. Uh, and also we believe in solidarity. And this is a huge. This is an exercise in solidarity with people on the front lines of the hostile environment, Uh, groups like the World Without Borders Coalition uh, that have come together to fight the hostile environment, Um, and we're we're intending to fight for a fairer system by organising this camp.
1: I think that was a brilliant, brilliant summing up of the situation, so eloquently put and, and so concisely put as well um, and and I I love it, I, th- I think it's great that we claim the power of doing this because so often the, the drum I beat frequently is that issues and campaigns need to be joining together and there needs to be co-working and ultimately there needs to be the realisation that many of the issues we face which are currently separated are, are all from the same cause ultimately and as you um, so eruditely pointed out, it's ultimately western, generally white driven capitalism which is at the cause of all this why, I mean to play devil's advocate um, why despite these government pledges and despite government rhetoric and platitudes, is direct action like what yourselves are doing with Pabby on Borders why is this still necessary?
2: Um, Well I think I think actually um, it's important to take a, uh, (coughs) a different view of this which is that the 2050 net zero target, uh, the government's declaration of a climate emergency, and even the government's um, commitments phasing out coal by 2025—they're all the types of pledges that we've seen and don't really believe hold much weight those have. Those have come only from direct from direct action, massive protests, and the pressure of individuals like like you and me and ordinary people. Um, so the reason why direct action is still necessary is because direct action is is one of the few strategies that really gets us, uh, gets progress made. And at the same time, the government still still funds the fossil fuel industry with subsidies, uh, equivalent to about £10 billion a year, which is more than they give to renewables. Um, They still uh, are uh, making it, as easy as they can for fracking companies to use new methods to extract even more oil and gas from the ground, um, and despite all of this, even the small commitments they've made to, to net zero by 2050, that's just not enough. If we if we um, allow this to be the sum total of our of our mitigation of, of climate change and our, and our dealing with climate change. Then um, we're basically throwing hundreds of millions of people in the global south under the bus, who are going to suffer uh, extraordinarily. People are going to um, going to lose their livelihoods. Um, for example, ninety percent of the agriculture in Africa is rain-fed, and that means that when climate change uh, makes uh, extreme weather more normal and ordinary ordinary weather more erratic, we're going to see millions and hundreds of millions of people lose their livelihoods. Um, millions of people die in extreme weather events even right now as we're talking um, just recently we had Chennai which is India's sixth largest city run out of water that's totally unprecedented Um, and as we speak uh, Harare the capital of Zimbabwe um, can't supply enough water to half of its four million residents the climate crisis is happening right now um, and the the targets the government's put in place um, are just not enough and Progress so far has only come from direct action, so that's why we still believe it's necessary. But one further point I think I'd make is that if we all if we all come together and if people uh, come to um, big protests and actions like the capital organising, um, there's a, there's a greater feeling, which I think, uh, and certainly most people who reclaim the power think, is extremely important for trying to make change. It's the realization that. You know, thousands of people just like us um, have come together and that we're extraordinarily powerful together. It makes you feel like that we can achieve uh, anything. Um, and that, and that feeling is the heart of every movement that's trying to make change, that's trying to deal with the climate crisis from a grassroots perspective and trying to fight um, the horrors of the hostile environment from a grassroots perspective. Um, and that feeling uh, that we hopefully are going to create in the camp is also an essential ingredient in uh, trying to fight um, the climate crisis and the hostile environment policy.
1: Indeed, I absolutely second that um, with regards to direct action and why it's so important, and I think it's something Reclaim the Power are exceptionally, exceptionally good at. Uh, Just to finish up, Cameron, so how can people get involved with Power Beyond Borders?
2: Well, um, I think the easiest way is to follow Reclaim the Power on Twitter or like us on Facebook. Um, and through Twitter and Facebook, we put out details about the event. So there's a Facebook event for the Power Beyond Borders camp, um, and on there you'll find information about uh, that allows you to, to take part and come. So uh, the camp is in a secret location in the southeast of England. The details will be released uh, very close to the time, but it will be very near London, so it will be easy travel for people uh, from London. Um, entry is is based on donation only so this is quite an accessible camp that's been built there aren't huge barriers to entry there'll be coaches from london uh, and even during if you, can, if you can't uh, come for the whole camp there'll be shuttle buses to and from the nearest train station to the camp throughout the whole throughout the whole time um, and even if you're sort of unsure about getting involved in direct action or even you know large protests on climate action um the first two days of the camp which is the Saturday and the Sunday will actually be mainly focused around workshops and training we'll have groups from the World Without Borders Coalition uh, and and groups from across the, the, the uh, climate sphere come together to, to sort of train people and teach people about the issues at stake um, and you'll learn more about the, about the crises uh, before acting and even if uh, people have uh, sort of worries about engaging in serious direct action. Um, from from my own experience in reclaim the power, I can say that, the, that for every person that uh, does an action, that breaks the law, or a serious engages in serious direct action, there are about four people behind the scenes who uh, who, like me, are talking to the media and getting the word out, who are organising uh, the camp logistically, um, who are supporting in welfare terms, the people engaging in action. There's all sorts of roles for all sorts of people. The camps are accessible. Like us on Twitter and Facebook uh, to get involved
1: excellent great stuff all the details to reclaim the powers power beyond borders camp will be in the show notes to this as cameron said it is a secret location currently at time of publishing but it will be announced in due course and the camp is setting up i believe on friday the 26th of july and then running from saturday the 27th to the following tuesday i'm really looking forward to seeing more updates from this and i i wish you all the very best and i do hope it's a big success and that lots of people get down there but for the minute cameron from reclaim the power Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That's
2: all right. Thanks for having
1: me on. Time for you guys to be on cage because Twitter chirps back. Yes, it is that time of the week again. Question time may have finished for the summer. Thank God for that. But don't worry. You've still got Twitter chirps back. The bit on my podcast where you set the news agenda. I put out to on a Thursday night. You give me your hot takes on the hot stories of the week and I'll read them out on the show. It is as simple as that. Oh my goodness, lots to get through this week. Lots of comments and lots of debate started between people as well. That's what I like to see. I'm rubbing my hands in glee as we speak. So to kick us off, oh, it's my, it's my queen, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Follow her on Twitter at Nicola Jeffrey. She said, at George Galloway's brilliant sack Tom Watson campaign. Yes, it's of course George Galloway, who is looking set to stand against Tom Watson in an upcoming general election, wherever that may be. He has already hit his crowdfunding target for this, and there is a massive hashtag going, hashtag sack Tom Watson. Next up we have Fantastic Disability Rights Campaigner Paula Peters Hello Paula and happy birthday for Friday the 19th of July just gone She said as a lot of people did actually PIP and Supreme Court case Yes this was the news that there was a landmark court ruling this week on PIP over a claimant who um, was basically taking the DWP to a judicial review about people who find social situations debilitating due to mental health issues Judges agreed that the DWP should make PIP entitlement eligible for this aspect of mental health and it could open the floodgates to hundreds of Thousands of people possibly claiming. Of course, what it doesn't fix is the fact that PIP's system is broken in its entirety anyway, with hundreds of thousands of people who used to get this equivalent disability living allowance having been denied it over the past few years, and appeal rate successes at all time highs. You can check out www.mrtopple.com for my very personal take on this via Nicola Jeffrey. Next up, the incredible Alex Tiffin at Respected Vital, who runs the Universal Credit Sufferer website. Hello, Alex. He said also, yep, George Galloway MP bid, also, yep, Supreme Court PIP decision. And he said, Nicola Jeffrey, update. Thank you, Alex. Yes, you can go to my website, www.mrtopple.com, to find out more about that. Um, Right-wing attacks on Muslim cricketers. Amber Rudd refusing food bank visit. And unelected lords calling vote of no confidence. Yes, those unelected lords trying to scupper Jeremy Corbyn. I mentioned that in the introduction to the show. But yes, Alex, all great points. I think Amber Rudd refusing to visit a food bank is a particularly pertinent one as well. well. The school holidays coming up, children will be going extremely hungry due to the lack of school meals that they usually get. Food bank use is always a pertinent issue at this time of year, and Amber Rudd refusing to go to one is just outrageous. The fantastically irrepressible, incomparable Rachel Swindon. Hello, Rachel Sheepard. The benefits of abolishing unelected peers. Hm, I wonder what that could be about. Um, solidarity with the squad. I'm not sure what that means, Rachel. Um, can you tell me on Twitter when I put this out, what does a solidarity with the squad mean? Kiss. Um, and she also put, and I love this, the final the final days of Tom Watson. It could be a bloody Hollywood film. Good. The Final Days of Tom Watson, a Steven Spielberg film. Love that lots, Rachel. Thank you very much. Benefits News said, Holt Universal Credit Pilot, MSPs demanded. Um, I hadn't seen that actually, but apparently, yes, I'll, I'll take your word for it. MSPs demanding Holt Universal Credit Pilot. He also said, was said to due to start 17th of July, Harrogate. Then silence. Hmm, is there an issue with this rollout of Universal Credit, the pilot? The pilot, of course, is about managed migration where people are transferring over from six legacy benefits to the one new benefit, Universal Credit. The government said they're initially doing a rollout of 10,000 claimants to test and learn the process um, but um, we're not sure what's going on with that now apparently hmm, has it started has it not started check out um check out benefits news they may have some more items on that on their timeline and old 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 not old as in years but old as in time i've known them old comrade comrade tyne at father tyne he says have you looked into the as the contracts I haven't, actually. I have no idea that what that means, but let me dig it out and I'll see if I can put something in for next week's show, Comrade Time. Thank you very much. Um, Richard Trevor, Oh, you commented last week. Hello, Richard. At Trevin Richard he said, supporting Extinction Rebellion. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with Extinction Rebellion. I always have been. Well, mm-mm. I'm not sure I appreciate their approach to the police. Anyone who's been at the rough end of the law and the filth and the Rossers um, will know that sort of cozying up to them in the way they do isn't isn't necessarily the right approach. Um, I do, of course, support their stance on climate and ecological action. But yes, you are free, of course, to support Extinction Rebellion if you wish, Richard. Thank you for your comment. My goodness, we've got a lot to get through. Okay, um, Sparkle60 at 60Sparkle. Hello, Sparkle, another old Twitter friend. She said, how about discussing that? Even though they're called a Labour Lords, they don't actually have to support Labour or be a member of the Labour Party. They can be nobles by paying for a peerage and nobles because it's payback from the gong giver. Nobles because they have secrets. Oh, yes, our Lord system is absolutely atrocious, but I'm not sure what we're going to do to change it i mean we had green peer Jenny Jones went into the house of lords to try and change it from within over a decade ago um that's gone well isn't it um, there's no such thing as change with within it's the same with the eu to be perfectly honest what to do about the lords hopefully if we get a labor government they might do something about it and well after the attack from those seventy odd labor lords this week on Jeremy Corbyn he might well do something about it now angel cage hello angel cage at angel cage band are you a band i'll have to ch- have to check out your twitter timeline she says, thanks to Steve Bell at Bell Cartoons for single-handedly negotiating a ceasefire in hostilities. I'm not sure he single-handedly s- negotiated a ceasefire in hostilities, but this was, of course, the furore about a leaked email from Steve Bell, Guardian cartoonist, because they refused to publish a piece of work he did, um, about Tom Watson and anti-Semitism claims. Um, essentially he was, he was saying that there's essentially, um, a load of false accusations and it was, it was all a bit of a propaganda campaign. And he sent this scathing email to Guardian editors about, um, Media Lens, a fantastic Media Lens. Hello, Media Lens. They did something brilliant on it. I will link to it in the show notes, actually. It's absolutely superb. But yes, um, Steve Bell um, stirring things up at the Guardian. Good stuff. Um, more on the Labour Lords. Um, Tom Douglas, hashtag GTTO, hashtag for Harry's last stand, at Tom douglas 16 Hello, Tom. He put Labour Lords equals oxymoron. Yes, it bloody does. Labour, well, oxymoron in two senses of the word there. Um, and Blair's Progress Lords signed the letter, including Ian McNichol, the man responsible for a purge of Corbyn support Reporters. yes, who can forget the purge back in 2016, 2017 um, people kicked out of the Labour Party for a lot less worse crimes than some of these Labour lords and the likes of Peter Manson and Tony Blair have actually committed but anyway, enough on that thank you Tom for your comment and last but not least you, yes, yet at mc 10 hello, you, yes, yet yes, I know you we've been friends for years as well haven't we? he put Hi Steve I work in the Scottish whisky industry Our plant alone as 24 lines churning out product from £15 to £900 a bottle 20 hours a day this all leaves via road be exported from English ports this is classed as English export is this fair now this started off quite the debate on my Twitter timeline um, surrounding whether the fact that whiskey made in Scotland is sported through English ports would be classed as Indi- English product um, now my understanding is, of this is it's all to do with the bloody Barnet formula again anyone who knows about Scottish independence as I so vocally supported um, for several years running up to the independence referendum um, it's all to do with the Barnet formula which is in layman's terms West Westminster gives Scotland some pocket money based on um, how many people live in the country and what public services they need. This is also based on how much Scotland raises in tax, duty and other public service revenue to put into the Westminster kitty. Now there's been disparity over this throughout the years with Scotland quite often putting more in than Westminster gives them back and I believe I'm correct in saying that Scotland per head of capita actually has the lowest amount of the Barnett formula out of the three devolved nations. But ultimately this is a very complex can of worms but My basic understanding is that, yes, if you're talking about tax and duty revenue going back to Scotland, I think you are probably right. Scottish people are probably being done out of quite a few pennies, I would say, you yes, yet. So bring on independence, I say. And that's it. That's it for this week's Twitter Chirps Back. As always, a tweet will be going out next Thursday night where you can get involved. Thank you so much for everyone who commented. It's great to see so many people getting involved and debating this week as well. Until next week, take care of yourselves and please switch off the BBC. And here's this week's banger in Revolutionary Birdsong. This week marks the 60th anniversary of the death of jazz legend Billie Holiday. She's quite personal to me as my late father, a semi-professional jazz musician, sort of looked upon her as his idol almost. I grew up listening to Holiday and other jazz greats like Satchmo, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, all all the big names in jazz. Like I say, it's the 60th anniversary of her death this week. So it is very fitting that my next guest has released her EP this week as well well because for me and i'm gonna i'm gonna put my neck on the line here um this guest is on a par with regards to her vocal interpretation and her vocal delivery um and the intricacy of it with greats like billy holiday edith piaf amy winehouse all the artists whose vocal interpretation they were renowned for she is on the par with these trust me um and when you listen to her ep you'll understand why she was the fourth ever music guest on this podcast, and my, how we've both grown since then. Um, she is back for a second time to talk about her debut EP, sound bites, but also to talk about everything else she gets up to, and as I say, this stunning, stunning vocal ability that she has. I'm so thrilled to be able to welcome back onto to Topple Cage the incredible Miri. Miri, thank you so much for coming back on again. It is lovely, lovely, lovely to speak with you more.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me back. I'm looking forward
1: to this interview. <laughs> it is my pleasure. So look, let's get straight into it. You have dropped your Sound Bites EP. Um, this show is going out on Friday, the 19th of July, and this is the day that it is properly released. I mean, it is, it's is—it's an astonishing piece of work. I, I, we'll get into the kind of the um, musical ingenuity of it later on, because um, it is extremely, for, for me and for my ear, it is quite complex. Um, but as I said in the what stands out as well is your vocal prowess throughout it which we'll also talk a bit about later but overall stunning project you should be extremely Thank extremely you. extremely proud of, of what you've accomplished with this um, I mean how long has it taken you to get to this point where you were happy and you had tracks which you were comfortable with um, and finally decided to go for it and release this EP has this been a long time in the making as it were?
0: Um, I'd say I've, I always want to like record new stuff but it's about having a budget for it and that can be the challenge so I knew I wanted to record new music and strip everything back um, more so than my previous recordings because I've been doing a lot of gigs just me on keys and it kind of just seemed to make space for my voice to be heard more um and for my songs to be heard and it seemed to really resonate with audiences so for quite a while I'd been thinking you know I really I really want to capture this on a new recording and it was thanks to doing a kickstarter campaign um That I think I launched that last year in November. Um, and was very grateful to have exceeded my target. Um, I did a, I did a crowdfunder about three years ago for another recording. And they always say your first one is, is quite, is quite tough. And, and this second one, it was just, it was really emotional actually, because you're sort of just doing what you do and plugging away and following your passions um, and, and working on causes as well that, that I, I, I kind of felt were, were important to me to do creatively, uh, musically. Um, and then this Kickstarter just took off. Like I think it was within about two days, people had, had pledged like a grand or something. And, it really sort of, it really just kind of gave me a boost and affirmed to me that I'm on the right track and I've just got to keep doing what I'm doing. Because often when you don't have a, a team around you or you are an independent artist, you've got to mo- motivate yourself. Um, so so basically through doing that crowdfunder, it's sort of been about... Um, Keeping to timelines basically, and I knew that I wanted to to finish the EP this year. I knew I wanted to release it before August, um, and it's kind of been a real a real challenge at times, but a real learning curve, um, and definitely a stepping stone for, for future projects. So um, so it's definitely been been a while in, in the making in that idea of thinking I really want to kind of do some recordings and strip them back um and then the process in fact I think the process I probably started recording stuff from around last August so it's taken a good few months to then raise the money record finish um and I've worked with some some uh, great people on on the EP as well um a lovely guy called Simon. Wiley, who also does some work for Brian Ferry, he's been amazing and just sort of stepped in to help finish the production, uh, mixed it. There's a lovely guy called uh, Neil who uh, mastered it. So I've been very blessed to work with some some amazing people on on the recording as well to to kind of understand what my vision was and to help me kind of um, actually fulfil that
1: musically now for me it's it's very very intriguing it's quite hard to pin down you it's it's this wonderful hybrid of genres and styles which uh, as it still harks home of certain elements to me but i can't quite put my finger on it at all um but for me the the reggae elements are most interesting because as regular listeners to this podcast will know reggae and dancehall are one of my passions um i have regular reggae guests on and this of course stood out to me straight away with bites. i mean miri is reggae something you've always listened to and is it something that has um kind of motivated and inspired you musically because it is it's strong the influence on there for me anyway
0: um i guess musically i've always been drawn to lots of different styles of music from reggae roots to um to folk to pop um and i was I used to work at um, a charity organization in my teens called Raw Material and I did a course there and then ended up working there. One of my friends who was older than me who worked there, she introduced me to a lot of artists from like Nick Drake to Carol King to a lot of reggae. Reggae roots, reggae and roots um, artists and songs, and we'd be in her car, and she'd just be putting her cassettes in, and 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 I, so so there was definitely sort of a seed planted from from my teens. Um, funnily enough, I think just sort of supporting Natty um, when I did. Uh, I was invited to perform at the 100 Club quite a few years back now for, for the official Bob Marley birthday celebration. And I think that was the first time I saw Natty perform live and i just loved what he did in his live performance and and i performed at a few of his nights at, at vibes and pressure and would see him perform and i definitely feel when i was writing good ones there was an element of being inspired by what natty what natty does but but still being myself but i think it's kind of when you come across artists and they inspire you and you connect with what they're doing um you can't help but but sort of put that into into what you're creating but but sort of make it your own
1: what would you call your style then i I'm, I'm quite intrigued to know because <laughs> i, I you are you're really hard to pin down there's there's all yeah. sorts of elements going on how would you sum it up
0: i'd probably call it soulful pop or soulful indie pop because th- there's definitely a pop element and and I've grown up listening to so much popular music. Um, but I think again, from listening to reggae, uh, um, Motown and soul, that there is an element of a soulful feel and, and how I sing. So, so I would say, I would say <laughs> soulful. Sorry. Indie pop. No, no. Cause this is, cause it sort of changed. I used to call, what I did soulful pop, but then I think putting in the indie, um, It just gives gives a different sort of understanding of what
1: it is that I do. So, I think I think that's fairly spot on. Actually, I mean, as I say, there's sort of elements of reggae, but it is, um, especially on sound bites, the backing vocal and the arrangement of of that on that track has almost it's got got a bit of a doo wop feel about it. If if you kind Mm -hmm. of if you up the tempo slightly, it could it could almost sort of hark back to sort of that 70s classic period in in soul. So yeah, yeah, indie soul pop. I, th- I think is a very, very <laughs> fair description. Overall, with sound bites, was that what? what you were hoping for with, with the EP uh, as a project that's, I mean, obviously, cause it, it, it tells, it tells your, your views and your story on numerous things and also events that have happened to you in your life, like somebody Save me. Um, but was that your hope to create something that while it's it, it projected your social messages out via the medium of music, it was also something that positive as well. In the end, was that what you planned for it?
0: Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. I think it's kind of just we need we need hope, <laughs> especially I I need hope. Um, and sometimes you know, a song or 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 a, a speech coming from someone who's truly authentic and and coming from a you know a real heartfelt place that inspires me and that gives me hope. And I think as music artists. We we can do that with our music, and you know, if I can sing songs and it can connect with people in prison to people experiencing um, severe mental health illness, then then that's you know that's at least at least it's doing something because that's why I wanted to do music in the first place. You know, there's definitely the element of there's the enjoyment um you know as an artist as an individual this is fun I get to express myself but it's it's an opportunity to connect to people and to sort of um I remember when I was a kid and when I'd get down and I'd listen to artists again so many different types of artists from Beverly Knight to um, to kind of uh, Tracy Chapman and and I just remember, the songs gave me reassurance they didn't make everything better because they they can't do that but they gave me reassurance and and soothed me in that moment and I would really love for my music to to be able to do that for people and again for for future projects just to keep harnessing that and to keep learning and growing and to be able to do that to that more like to do that more you can't get it all in one recording. That's why it's so important to, you know, keep recording where possible. Because, in the same way, when I'm performing, I'm continuing to grow and learn as a performer it's, it's the same when you're, when you're in the studio and you're kind of mastering your sound. It's, it's a way to, you know, where I am now, again, I've grown more from where I was when I was recording the project. So now there's other things that I want to kind of, okay, how can I get more of this in the recording? Um, so, so yeah, I, I just want, what I do to kind of be able to to connect, and if it can give people hope or a moment of reassurance or love, um, and to know that that they're not on their own, then then that would mean that that would be job done basically for me,
1: Mary. Um, I mean it. Uh, I. I'm it's such a pleasure to talk to you and as I said the EP in itself is a stunning project but I do I really do mean it and believe that you have something extremely extremely unique and and powerful with your voice and your lyrical and musical composition I would urge everyone to listen to Soundbites because it is absolutely fantastic Um, and you really are a wonderful and unique individual as well as a wonderful and new unique artist Um, it's been a real pleasure to chat to you again it's been absolutely lovely um i'm sure we will catch up again in the future but for the minute miri yes. thank you so much for coming back on the podcast
0: thank you so much for having me and i've just yeah it's been lovely chatting with you so thank you for all your support really does yeah mean a lot
1: my absolute pleasure thank you miri Miri is one of the most fantastic guests to interview. She's so wonderful and so eloquent, and her descriptions and uh, explanations of why she does music and why she does the additional work as a side to it are just glorious to listen to. She's absolutely fantastic. And as I repeatedly said in the interview, the Sound Bites EP is a must-listen. I'd urge you all to download it now. But here is probably the standout track from that EP and the one that we did discuss at length. It is good one. So here is Miri. With this superb good ones. Enjoy.
0: What do the good ones stumble? What do the good ones fall? What do the ones who cause destruction? Feel nothing at all.
1: that's it series two episode 11 of top one caged is done i'd like to thank my fantastic guests this week the incredible cameron from reclaim the power follow them on twitter it's at reclaim the power and the sensational miri follow her on twitter it's at MiriOfficialUK. uk as always behind the scenes sectors to love of my life the gorgeous Nicola jeffrey follow her on twitter it's at Nicola c jeffrey my man behind the booth Santo as pause follow him on twitter it's at pause with Z. radio and my in-house singer it's ray star music follow her on twitter it's at ray underscore 113 thank you to the canary for engaging me i will see you again next week
0: i okay